like a clock that looks pretty on the outside but can't tell the time. There are certain things that just can't function without that one thing. An engine, a power source, a heart. Faith in God on the part of the believer is essential to what it means to live the Christian life. For it is the heart of what Christianity is all about. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Just like the thing that makes a clock tick, there's something that is so central to the Christian experience that without it, it couldn't survive. And it goes beyond following rules, a set of beliefs, and a mere knowledge of the Bible. Today, Charles Tapp begins a new series, The Heart of Christianity, that answers this question and lots more with today's message, The Heart of the Matter. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter four, as we go to the wisdom literature, I want us to take a look at verses 20 to verse 23. As you know, the theme of Proverbs is wisdom, and wisdom is depicted in the book of Proverbs by a a lovely woman who calls to her people to follow her to a life of blessing and to a life of success. And wisdom says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It is clear that the guarding of one's heart that is depicted here is not talking about the physical heart that pumps the blood in our body, but Solomon's metaphorical use of the word heart is for the sole purpose of driving home the importance of protecting that which is central to one's life. And he refers to it as the heart. I recently discovered that heart disease is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. And over 600,000 people die every year from heart disease. But then in my reading, I discovered that there are ways that you can protect your heart. There are ways that you can guard against heart disease by eating a healthy diet. That means no Potato chips, that's my weakness. Maintaining a healthy weight, whatever that is. Exercising regularly and avoiding smoking altogether. These are just some of the ways physicians tell us that that we can guard or protect our hearts because as you well know, as goes your heart, so goes you. And that's what is meant by guard your heart in verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4. For out of it 
out of that heart flow the issues of life because the heart is the center of all of life. Everything begins and ends, Proverbs says, with the condition of the heart. It all begins with the heart. It ends with the heart. And that's how important it is to our, to our survival. Whether it's the heart that is pumping the blood through our body or whether it's the heart of your car, which is the engine. And how many of you know that the heart of your car is not the bucket seats? It's not the stereo. It's not the shiny paint job. I've seen people look for cars and, and they just, they're just all enthralled with the paint job. And they make the decision whether to purchase a car by the paint job. But my father, God bless his soul, he worked for Chrysler for 26 years. And he told me, son, don't worry about the dent. Don't worry about the paint. Don't worry about whether the radio works or not. Pop the hood and look at the heart of the car. Look at that engine and that will tell you whether that car is worth purchasing or not. Some of us had to learn that lesson the hard way. I bought a car once because it was a stick shift and it was red. Long story short, I spent more money repairing that car than I did in purchasing that car. Proverbs says, guard your heart. And he's not talking about the physical part. He's talking about the essence of who we are as human beings. In other words, guard your minds, guard your will, guard your conscience, guard your affections, guard your thoughts. Because as they go, so go the rest of you. I love this statement in the book, Message to Young People. Because in that book, Message to Young People, Ellen White says, guard the avenues of the soul. And that's what she meant. The same thing that Proverbs means. The same thing that Solomon is saying in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Guard the essence of who you are. Guard your thoughts. Guard your minds. Guard your wills. Guard your affections. Because as they go, so go the rest of you. Today we begin a series titled The Heart of Christianity. And I want to begin this series today by asking one simple question. If someone were to ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Are you confident in what your response is? would be. What does it mean to be a Christian? In essence, what they're asking is, what is the heart of Christianity? What is the essence? What is the core of what it means to be a Christian? What is the core or the essence or the central life of the Christian life? What are those things that are, are so central to the Christian faith that if you remove them, it would no longer be Christianity. I want to begin by answering that question by going to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want us to look at one verse, verse six, and we know this verse. Right to the Hebrew says, but without 
faith. It is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Here the writer to the Hebrews makes it clear that essential to one's Christianity, that essential to the Christian life is this thing called faith. It is so important, he tells us, that without it, we cannot please God. We cannot please God. And when you think about it, isn't that the heart? Isn't that the essence of what being a Christian should really be about? Living a life that pleases God? Or as the Christian writer Max Lucado put it, he says, I want to live a life that puts a smile on the face of God. Think about that for a moment. What must that be like? To live your life to the point that God looks at you and he can't do anything else but smile. The writer to the Hebrew says that without this faith, you cannot make God smile. You cannot please God. Faith in God on the part of the believer is essential to what it means to live the Christian life. For it is the heart of what Christianity is all about. It's not just I believe this or I believe that, but it's about a vibrant relationship with God. That's what pleases God. That's the faith that the writer to the Hebrews is talking about. And he says the faith is so essential to being a Christian. Listen, that God ordained it that my salvation and your salvation is attached to this thing called faith. Wait a minute, Pastor. I thought, I thought Paul says we're saved by grace. He does. But that's not all he said. For Paul says, for by grace are you saved through your faith. In other words, faith puts us in the position to receive God's marvelous gift of grace, but it doesn't start with grace. It starts with our faith. And the writer to the Hebrew says, you cannot please God unless you have that kind of faith. So much so our salvation, he says, is tied to it. But what is this faith? What is this faith that is so central to the Christian life that without it, we cannot please God? Is faith simply a belief in God, like Hebrew says? For without faith, you can't please God, but he who comes to God must believe that, that God is. Is that all faith really is, a belief in God? Is that what the apostle Paul was talking about when he said we're saved by grace through faith, just a belief in God? I, I, don't, I don't think so. For James makes it clear in James chapter 2 and verse 19, that if belief was all that was needed, even a belief in God, then the devils would have no problem because James says in James 2 that even the devils believe. So belief in and of itself is not enough. Look at what is said in the Desire of Ages. Look at this quotation. 
She says, the faith that is unto salvation is not a mere intellectual assent to truth. Did you get that? He who waits for entire knowledge before he will exercise faith cannot receive blessing from God. It is not enough to believe about Christ. We must believe in Christ. The only faith that will benefit us is that which, listen, embraces him as a personal savior, which appropriates his merits to ourselves. And the merit she's talking about there is grace. Many hold faith or belief as an opinion. Well, I believe this and you believe that. But she says saving faith, and I love this language, is a transaction by which those who receive Christ join themselves in covenant relationship with God. And look at how she ends it. Genuine faith is life. In other words, genuine faith is what is at the heart of being a Christian. It is what drives us or what should drive us as believers in the faith. But sadly, too many well-meaning professed Christians, all they have in their entire experience of faith is a list of statements, a list of beliefs, a list of propositions, a list of doctrines that they have assented to, that they have agreed with. And I challenge you, if you ask the average Christian today to tell you about their faith, I guarantee you most of them will begin by saying, well, I believe in the second coming and I believe in the Bible as God's word and and I believe in this and I believe in that. Now, don't get me wrong. All these things are important. But faith in God is more than a possession of beliefs or doctrines. It's more than what we accumulate through knowledge and intellect. But our beliefs help bring us the faith that the writer to the Hebrews is talking about into a saving relationship with our creator. That's what qualifies as true faith. Not just saying, I believe, but saying, I trust. That's what true faith is all about. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Heart of the Matter. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And there's something at the core of what makes the Christian experience tick, that without it, would cease to exist. Charles Tapp explains what that is today in his message, The Heart of the Matter. Truth be told, the heart of the matter is 
that faith is not just a matter of the head, but faith is just as much a matter of the heart. And although we may find it easy to declare a belief in God, to declare a belief in this doctrine or that doctrine, the faith that pleases God is one that leads one to develop a complete lasting dependence on God. Which brings us back to our story of Mark chapter 9. Let's go back there. And I want us to just pick it up from verse 20. So they brought him, talking about the young man who had this disease. Some believe it may have, may have been epilepsy. And when the spirit, listen, listen, when the spirit saw Jesus, the spirit, the evil spirit in this little boy, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do what? Believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. At first glance, one would think that, that this boy's father was expressing to Jesus the struggling doubt that he was dealing with because he had lost his faith. And let me just pause and say this today. The presence of doubt in the life of the believer does not mean that he or she no longer believes or possesses faith. Because faith and doubt are not diametrically opposed one to the other. Think about it. If you were 100% of something, you wouldn't need faith to begin with, would you? So the mere fact that you have faith is telling you that you are not 100% sure, but you are believing this by your faith. So doubt doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Doubt just means you have questions in your faith. And here's one of the challenges that our young people are facing today. Because they're asking all the right questions, but we don't want to give them the right answers. And sometimes the right answer is simply, we don't know. Just because you doubt doesn't mean that you believe. Sometimes doubting is not a lack of faith. Sometimes doubting is simply an expression of your faith. Some of us think that the opposite of faith is doubt. That's not true. The opposite of faith is unbelief, meaning that you totally reject what is true. And this man, this father, did not reject what was true. He had faith in Jesus or he would have never brought his son to Jesus in the first place. We've got to be honest with ourselves that as children of God, Christians, sometimes we have questions, 
sometimes we have doubts. And it doesn't mean we don't have faith. Let me show you what I mean. This father had every reason to doubt Jesus. In verse 20, it says, when they brought him to Jesus, things did not suddenly get better. Things suddenly became worse. How many times in your own experience, and I know I can attest to this, where you took something to God in prayer and things didn't suddenly get better. Things for you suddenly got worse. Sometimes we, like the Father, bring our thing to Jesus, and instead of things suddenly changing for the good, they change for the worse. And that's what happened. The Bible says, when this Father took your son to Jesus, this son started jumping around and foaming at the mouth and falling on the ground. So the, so the father's son said, well, if you, if you can do anything. And the reason why he said that was because in his mind, if the demons don't even fear Jesus, how in the world is he going to do anything for my son by driving them out? Many times you and I suffer because things don't get better when we pray. Things get better. Worse. And when things get worse, you and I start to doubt. We doubt that God cares. We doubt that God hears. We doubt that God loves us. And we begin to question not only God, we begin to question our faith. But faith and doubt go together. But look at how Jesus responds to this man's doubt. I love it. He didn't condemn the man. He didn't ridicule the man. Instead, he redirected his doubts. He said, anything is possible for those who believe. And I need to put a disclaimer on this. Because there are too many of us when we read this, we think that Jesus is saying, well, what you need is more faith. You just need more faith. Or what you need is a, a different quality of faith. You just, you just need to improve your faith. Or, or your faith just needs to be stronger. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. For the issue was not this man's faith. It wasn't the quality of his faith. It wasn't the amount of his faith. But it was where he was going to put his faith. Now it makes sense when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Why? Because the issue is not how much faith you have or how much faith I have. The issue is where we put our faith. And where did this man put his faith? He put it in Jesus. He said, listen, Jesus, I believe you, but help me with my unbelief. And sometimes, dear friends, too many of all we have is this head faith. So when we say, I believe, we, we truly believe. We believe that God exists. We believe in the second coming. We believe in the Ten Commandments. We believe in all these things. We've got an intellectual knowledge of faith, a head knowledge, but we don't have a heart knowledge because we really don't trust God to be God. And when you don't have a heart faith and all you have is an intellectual faith, 
anything will drive you out and away from God, including your questions, including your doubts. But it's all right to have doubts, but it's what you do with those doubts. And this man took his doubts to Jesus. And what does Jesus do with his doubts? He gave him another reason to believe. And he healed his son. It was a saving faith in his savior. That's the heart of Christianity. It is not whether you believe this doctrine or believe that doctrine or that doctrine's right or this doctrine's wrong. That's not what faith is all about. Faith is about life. Faith is about relationship. And without that relationship of faith in God as our savior, you cannot please him. And I'm so glad today that it only takes a mustard seed of faith to please God. So when the writer to the Hebrew says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, he's not talking about a belief in a doctrine, a belief in a proposition. He's talking about belief in a person. And that's the heart of Christianity. It's not about a proposition. The heart of Christianity is about the person of Jesus Christ. And without it, you have no life. Some of you here today, you're struggling in your Christian walk, and let me tell you why. Because the extent of your Christian life is a list of beliefs. And when things get rough, it's hard to hold on to a list. Some of you in your Christian life right now, you have doubted God, and you have felt guilty that you have doubted God, and some people have made you feel guilty that you have doubted God. They made you feel as though it was a sin to doubt God. Listen, doubt and faith go together. But it's what we do with our doubts. And Jesus took this man's doubts and gave him another reason to believe. So I invite you today to give your doubts to God. You don't have any question that will shake God. Trust me. He's heard them all. For those of you who just have a mental ascent to truth, somebody gave you a list one day and said, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes, yes, yes. Well, now you're a Christian. And that's the extent of your Christian life. I challenge you today to accept the Christ that has died so that we could have eternal life. Because when it's all said and done, lists don't matter. Some of you may know that years ago, I lost every piece of clothing that I owned in the world because I entrusted it to one of my friends. When we were in college to take it home for me because I couldn't afford to pay for it on the bus. Long story short, his car broke down and Someone broke into the car while they went to get help. Every, every piece of clothing I had was gone. Brand new suits I had just purchased from working during the summer. Gone. And God is my witness. As I sat up in my bed, all I could say was, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I got up and put on that sweater and put on that pair of pants and went to church. Because for me, 
It wasn't about a list. It was about a person. Lists can't help you when your world is falling apart with doubt. Only a person can. Me reading the Ten Commandments couldn't have done anything for me at that moment. But because I knew the person, Jesus Christ, that's the heart of my Christianity. It's not a religion. It's not a church. It's not even a denomination. It is Jesus And as we move forward in this series over the next several weeks, we're going to look at what's central to being a Christian. It's not just saying, I believe this list, but it's having a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's first and that's foremost. Without it, you have no Christianity. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Heart of the Matter. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. Don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Next week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part in this series, The Heart of Christianity, with his message, A word for life. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.